All right, hello and welcome to Pod Rocket. I'm Kate, producer of Pod Rocket, and with me is Kaylin. Hi, Kaylin. How are you doing? Hi, doing great. And Noel. Hi, Noel. How are you doing? Yo, I'm doing well. We are going to do a, a year in review. Um, it looks like it was a big year based on the outline that we have in front of us. So we'll do our best uh, to get to get um, to get enough topics. Um, I don't know if we'll have all the topics, but uh, yeah, Kaylin, you want to take it away? Sure. Thanks, Kate. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll try to keep it to under four hours if I can. I'm sure I'm not alone in my opinion that like this last year has felt like simultaneously a decade and also like a week. So hopefully this review will be useful uh, to all you devs out there. Uh, last year we did a review and we also put our uh, our opinions on the future uh, 2021. And uh, I thought it would be a great place to start if we look at what we wrote last year and see if that actually came true or not at all. Basically, what we wrote, uh, we were impressed by Next.js last year. Uh, if you look at the popularity over the last like three years, I'd say, but definitely within the last two, Next.js and like uh, Jamstack, just in general, has just gained so much popularity that no brainer that uh, it's going to get more popular. And true enough, it did. Um, another thing we wrote was uh, decentralization of tools uh, versus centralization. Uh, and basically, what that meant was like, you know, you have your Babel and Webpack and like all these tools that you you know use together, and then you have your Next.js that like you just install it and then it works. And yes, that definitely that that trend I, I see definitely is continuing. Um, however, uh, one point against that maybe uh, in a topic we'll get to in the future later on rather um, is the fact that all these tools are no longer limited to Node anymore. Uh, in the past, uh, it seems to be Dijour that everyone, you know, used a node in JavaScript to build JavaScript tools. And now with the popularity of like ESBuild and Go and Rust tooling that, I don't know, maybe that's a point in the decentralization camp. We might move towards that again. So, uh, Noel, you know a lot about Jamstacks. Uh, you've probably worked on them more than I have. Uh, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm... I found it a little bit curious on like the on the note of decentralization versus centralization in that like in my experience like it's hard for me to even say which way that trend is totally going because on you know on one end of the spectrum you get like oh Gatsby just pull everything off the shelf and it'll kind of work versus like you know like you said build your own build your own suite so I I, I don't have a, a huge perspective but I feel like I've, we've been seeing more like in in Reddit threads and hacker news posts and stuff uh, people kind of reaching for those off-the-shelf tools. Um, but I also feel like there's quite a bit of nuance there, even between, like, Next versus Gatsby um, and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's plenty to cover and talk about. It's, it's more of a meta trend that we talked about a lot last year because uh, that's when we first started to see uh, in, in our blog posts as well, like what we were writing about there, uh, people being upset with, you know, Webpack configs, like... 3,000 line webpack configs and all all of that hell. But I remember a time back in the day when, like, it was the other way around. Like, uh, you know, you, you just had a script tag and that, that did everything. Or, uh, yeah, so history rhymes, especially in the web development uh, realm. Um, so, yeah, uh, as far as new stuff to, like, 
JavaScript language. Not much to say in this front. Um, uh, I, I guess like some minor useful things like string replace all or numerical separators, things you've probably used for years with Babel and stuff. That's finally getting in there. But I guess the uh, a big thing that the standards organizations are doing is adding uh, private methods and accessors. And that's one of the changes that I think you'll probably see in JavaScript over the next couple of years that might become more uh, more widely used. Even TypeScript now supports it, uh, which they just added this year. Um, and as far as uh, other cool things, uh, a, a feature that was uh, up, upcoming in the next year that I'm looking forward to, Shadow Realms, which is the coolest name for a feature I've ever heard. Uh, and that's basically sandboxing environments, like having your own mini global scope for like security reasons. So cool things. Are, is there anything you're looking forward to? Uh, I mean, I guess not in particular. I guess I'm kind of, if we can wind back a little bit, I haven't encountered too much what like the private methods and accessors stuff in the wild. What are some examples of those? Yeah, it was very divisive because they chose the hashtag uh, pound sign as like the uh, the way to declare them. Gotcha. On a, on a the octothorpe. Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, mm. And that was very divisive because people wanted them to use the word private just like TypeScript. I, I think the reason why they did that and the reason why they make a lot of weird decisions that no one likes is uh, it's just easier for parsers, I guess, if I remember correctly. I don't mm. know. I don't agree with the decision. Yeah. Maybe slightly, slightly faster or something. Yeah. It's not worth all of the developer confusion. And I don't know. Um, we, we might see people not actually use the feature because of that, to be honest. Like, I remember the comment section when that was announced. Uh, and you can, go, you can go on the GitHub thread, too, where they discuss it. And it's like a thousand comments long. Everyone's chiming in, uh, saying how much they hate it. So do you expect like big libraries and stuff will start using them or are they already? Or I, where, where do you yeah. see the trend kind of taking hold? Like if you're making an SDK and you don't want people to easily like peer into the internals, I mean, they still can because they can just look at your code. But I, I guess the reason is security, but like I don't actually know how much security it offers. It's more of a soundness or design mm -hmm. principle kind of reason. Yeah, gotcha. Or yeah, I'm thinking back to like the... Uh, conversation we had with Evan Yu of Vue, and he was talking about like libraries that used a lot of the internals of Vue that were not like supposed to be publicly accessible, and that right. was causing them a lot of strife in the migration. Yeah, uh, and LogRocket, so. uh, Log we're aware of all that when our customers use the internals of the SDK that they're really not supposed to use. That like, yeah, don't do that. Please don't do that. Um, so maybe we should be one of the adopters in that. Um, <laughs> Oh, and another thing based on modules coming up, uh, the fact that the JavaScript module system is going to basically branch out from JavaScript kind of uh, solidifies something that kind of started with Browserify and Webpack 10 years ago now, where you can import JavaScript and import CSS and all that. And that's, that's finally becoming like a standard thing. Yeah. Why can you explain a little bit like why devs sure. might care about that? Um, because... Well, treating them like modules means that you, you can, well, I mean, the idea is that like, uh, is standardizing like a way to transform things when you import them. That's like this, the spec uh, overview, essentially. But 
Um, I just like the fact that we're standardizing things that everyone uses anyway. Uh, I think that's kind of risky that we don't do that sometimes. Like I remember when Babel was popular first and it was years and years ahead of the standards. And then like, remember the decorator fiasco where they, they switched the, the decorator proposal and then what everyone uses and still uses isn't actually the standard. That was never really solved correctly. So I don't want that to happen again with modules. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Besides uh, the standardization, uh, it was a big year for, uh, I'd say it was a big year for Vue and Svelte. Um, Vue 3 was released that was, um, late last year. And I don't know. It, it, I really like the new version of Vue. Before Vue 3, I, I didn't really really like the model. But uh, it, it seems like they're uh, taking some great inspiration from React and uh, the conversation around reactivity that is very very popular nowadays. Um, have you ever actually used Vue? Yeah, yeah. I use Vue. I use Vue still actively for like um, my side projects and stuff pretty oh, heavily. Cool. So I've been I've been delving into um, like the composition API and stuff quite a bit. Um, and yeah, it is nice. Uh, it's interesting to me because I feel uh, a lot of the kind of initial. I don't know, excitement around Vue was how um, you know easy it was to use the options API, how quick it was to do like prototyping and stuff. And I feel like even if you were really fluent in the composition API, that may not be quite the case as much. Um, but I don't know if that is necessarily a problem. It seems like Vue still is very much treating um, the options API as like a you know first class thing. Like they still want you to use that if you don't need to get in the weeds. Um, but you know, if you anticipate your app getting big, having lots of traction, you can kind of do the transition piecemeal. You can have some components of each type. Um, you know, the same the same story with React and Hooks. Um, but it's been interesting kind of seeing, you know, the difference in in the way that uh, the communities have talked about the two. Like, it's, it seems like the Vue community is a little less, you know, always use the composition API, uh, like uh, banging, banging on that drum a little bit less. Um, Dogmatic. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like it a lot. It feels like I can just kind of when I when I get to those points, those fiddly components that have a lot of shared logic and like, oh, this should really be extracted in a clean way. Like, it's there. It works. I find I find the paradigm even more intuitive than uh, the hooks paradigm a little bit. Um, yeah, I'm, but, I'm eager yeah. to see what React comes up with in like response to all of this because uh, there wasn't any like major React versions this year, but they announced uh, the plan for React 18, and they have a working group. And on GitHub, there's tons of discussions, and I see lots of great ideas. Um, and Vue is always brought up, it seems. Oh, interesting. Uh, so, good good uh, amount of competition in the in the front end framework space this year, I think. Yeah. Um, are people are people saying like this is the way Vue does it? Isn't this clean? Yeah. Is that the usual tone? I see a lot of comparisons. Um, there's also comparisons to, uh, to Svelte. Um, Angular doesn't really come up anymore. <laughs> I, I always find that interesting. Uh, I don't know what it is. I, I always, I'm always surprised by the number of people that use Angular, but I'm also surprised by the by how, how few times it comes up. Um, Svelte, though, is the opposite. It's like talked about way more than it seems than it's actually used. Um, in like surveys, everyone says, I want to learn Svelte, but I don't use Svelte. 
part. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I'm definitely kind of guilty of that as well. Like I've done, I've done hello world. Right. And then yeah. other than that, kind of just like, I want to build something I know view or, you know, react. And I'm like, I can, I can spin this up quickly. I may, I feel like the learning curve maybe, you know, scaring me away a little bit. And maybe that's not justified. Like it might not be that hard, but I'm probably, you know, contributing to that stat a little bit. Like that I, I just approach it the same way. I think what will likely happen is that react and view will, steal some of the ideas that Svelte has around like optimizing and pushing that into the compile part, bundle part. Um, so. Gotcha. Yeah. Add it to the predictions list, right? <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. Reactivity, uh, performance, bundle size, I would say. So deploy it. Um, yeah. Moving on though, uh, another area that I've seen a lot of changes in the last year, uh, state management, uh, particularly Facebook announced recoil, uh, and well, this was actually the year before, but uh, I've seen it gain some popularity, uh, NPM downloads and stars and stuff. Uh, I'm really excited for Recall. If you haven't tried it, I would definitely recommend uh, at least doing a Hello World. Um, if you've ever like built or worked on an application that heavily uses hooks for state and you're tired of Redux because of very long list of reasons, uh, you should try out Recoil. It's like Hooks and Redux had a baby, essentially. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I haven't I haven't used it or even even done Hello World or anything. So yeah, I'm I'm anxious to check it out. I feel like I'm kind of in this camp where you know I always used like local state and everything until I had something that was needed access from like the top level or a lot of components accessed across the application. Then I would reach for something like Redux or Vuex or you know, whatever my state management was of choice. Does this like kind of address that problem? Like, no, you can always use this for all state, um, but it gives you a more granular like uh, atom, I guess, or is there another yeah. real motivation? It's like inspired by, it's, the, whole, it, the whole thing is re revolving around atoms of state. So like, uh, it's kind of like uh, formalizing conceptually the stuff that you would put into, you know, a use data. Um, but it's like removed from the, uh, the component and like you can reuse it. And uh, what I like about it the most is that you can incrementally adopt it, um, which is something that is often overlooked, especially with state management. Like uh, it, it seems for, for most enterprises, people started the app in the days when Redux was the DJ solution and everyone put all their state in Redux and then hooks got released and then suddenly everything is all the new stuff doesn't use Redux. Maybe that's just us, but that's chaotic. I don't like that. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. I don't, again, I don't, I don't really have much of a pulse here on what people are doing, but I, ha I have to imagine, especially like those big apps that are, you know, have a lot of complex state. They're still reaching for some kind of state store, right? Like there's just no way uh, they're doing it all localized with yeah. us and passing it up and down. It's just too yeah. much. Uh, Facebook was like in their blog post and uh, the why recoil posted. Uh, I think that was definitely one of the, the main um, reasons Motivations. for it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, besides recoil, uh, yeah, uh, I, over the last two years, I've also seen more people use like Apollo or, you know, their data fetching library as a source of state, just using the, the cache um, and like a more heavy, heavy manner. Yeah, that's so. interesting. So are people putting state that's not coming from like, yeah. 
you know, external sources, and they're putting that into like Apollo caches. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Are there like libraries built around this that do this? Like, is there tooling? I think, I think you just add it to the cache. I, I, I'm not too familiar with it, but it's just interesting how like everyone has a different answer now, and like nothing. You switch jobs and like you have to learn a completely new state management system. I miss it. <laughs> I miss when everyone just used the same thing. Um, yeah. Um, but uh, besides that, another thing I'm, I'm excited for um, in the front end uh, view and state management area, the fact that with WebAssembly now we have like non-JavaScript competitors, like you're not limited anymore. Um, like uh, the one I, I like the most uh, in Rust uh, is called U. It's, it's quite popular on GitHub. Um, if you know Rust and you're interested, I would definitely check that out. Um, but even like C Sharp, who would have thought uh, with Blazor, uh, I, I was very impressed um, by like the conceptual model that uh, Blazor has, uh, even though that it's WebAssembly or uh, Microsoft and ASP.NET. I, I can't help but think about the early 2000s when I hear ASP.NET. Yeah, yeah. I mean, was there was it replacing something? Didn't didn't Microsoft have something in the stack that kind of was in this space before as well, or is still? I don't know. I, I have almost no context about the web part of ASP.NET. Yeah. Well, I, I guess they did, but it wasn't like client side. I guess they were pushing like HTML to the client. This is like running C sharp in the browser. Using gotcha. Web gotcha. Nice. Um, yeah. But it also does any... side rendering, so it's like integrated. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Impressive. Cool. And it also has any... a bigger bigger community right. around it than I thought it would. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Like, are there a lot of people using it? Do we know is is it getting mass adoption, like big sites and stuff? Yeah, like I, I found component libraries and like tons of tutorials and like there's a couple awesome lists. Yeah. Also for you too, for Rust, there's also a growing community around that. Um, there's also Seed, which is similar to you. Um, if I could make a bold prediction, it would be that this stuff becomes more popular in the next five years. Gotcha. Do you see Rust? I mean, I feel like Rust is a little bit more, I don't know, there's a little more fervor around it. Do you think that that will lead to it kind of being the dominant player in these non-JS front-end framework space? I don't know. Um, I think Blazor has a lot going for it because people might already have C-sharp servers, like big enterprise companies. Um, so that might be a more natural fit. Uh, Rust, though, is like far, far less market share. But yeah, it, like you said, it has the popularity. So maybe, I don't know. Yeah, maybe some of those, like we were saying, I feel like people aren't talking about Angular anymore. Maybe a lot of those old Angular shops will start shopping around. Yeah. It does seem harder to incrementally adopt, though. So this might be more of a thing that people pick for new, new front ends or something. Mm, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I guess, I, again, I'm, I'm not totally sure at the abstractions that it is making. Like, do you have to be fully bought in, like using Blazor for all of it, or can you use it with, like, other... Like, could you use React as well? I don't think you could, actually. Uh, I, know there's, I know there's React uh, libraries for C-sharp, though. So maybe maybe you could use it alongside, but I don't know how... I don't know how that would work. I imagine it would be very difficult and you might have to get pretty hacky. Nice, cool. Something, something to check out, though. Have you messed with any of the Rust frameworks at all? You said you liked you. Have you built anything with it? Yeah, I, I tried to make 
uh, I have a game side product that I've had for going on 15 years now. Um, and one of the many, many iterations was in Rust. And I refused to abandon the web. Um, I later on switched to C-Sharp and uh, Unity. But um, yeah, I tried U to like, um, because my side product's very UI heavy for a game. So I thought that you know, web technologies, UI, perfect fit. Um, I, I really like how U handles it. Um, seed was also good. I also tried Seed a little bit, but I, I would definitely go with the, the larger community for something this small, if you can. Gotcha. You didn't settle on either, though. Was it something that you like found particularly wrong with it, or was it was no, it unique I, to your your use case? I, I just abandoned web technologies. Making a game on the web is not very well. I see, I see. Even, <laughs> even with WebAssembly, it's just not there yet. Um, that is one thing I, I I hope I could have more of an update for all the listeners in WebAssembly, but it seems like there hasn't been as much, or maybe I'm just not finding it. Um, I was also very frustrated by Firefox and the support for WebAssembly, like various bugs and stuff that was frustrating, so. Gotcha. Yeah, I think we've got, I think we've got some kind of higher level browser discussion further down on our list, so we can, yeah. we can circle back there. Yeah, I feel like I agree though. I, there was like a lot of fervor around WebAssembly or at least it felt like there was more like a year or two yeah. years ago. And I feel like it's just kind of, it's been quiet. I don't know if it's just, there hasn't been movement or. As or far as I can tell, is. as far as I can tell, they're still working on specs like garbage collection and uh, lots of things that like are basically required for it to be quite popular, but none of it is like strictly required um, except maybe some of the things that make things faster. Like I think it was SIMD was one of the proposals I was looking at. Um, Good job. Yeah, it was also very frustrating that uh, Firefox had buggy support for shared array buffers, and uh, yeah, which is also a technology that is basically required if you're using WebAssembly. So yeah, yeah, and maybe I'm underselling it. It's probably one of those that there's like a community that's you know very hyped and into it, and like it's gonna, gonna change everything. But it's just you know yeah, watching the trends, I feel like people are talking about it a little bit less. Um, well, I mean, assembly script I made a lot of waves because it's similar to TypeScript. Um, I think Rust is the most uh, widely used WebAssembly language. Gotcha. Do you think people reach for Rust just, just like it's it's a performance thing? Because I feel like Rust is not the easiest like to write and build stuff with if you're trying to move fast. Do you think it's mainly performance? Um, I think it's because you can like port things easier to the WebAssembly. Mm -hmm. uh, like you can like install libraries that weren't necessarily written for WebAssembly. I see. And like make them work. Um, mm -hmm. Assembly scripts. Is like when I tried to use it, it was lacking like very basic things that I, I didn't know that I would miss until I tried to to use it, and then I realized that it wasn't supported. <laughs> it's just a more more evolved language. You don't have to worry about that. Yeah, gotcha. And able, able to like use existing libraries and stuff a little bit more. Yeah, that was I feel like is huge. Yeah, Rust like went full throttle with the community with WebAssembly. Gotcha. Anyway, moving on. Um, yeah, uh, server frameworks uh, don't have much to say except um, I guess the big like mover in the space for like at least node-based server frameworks um, would be Fastify. Uh, for the longest time, if it, it was all for the longest time. It looks like Express was never going to be dethroned. There was uh, Koa. There was like a couple of things that came close. They kind of fell out of favor. Um, I think Express might be abandoned where I'm not really sure. I haven't used it in a long time. I think it, I think like, don't they not use Semver 
or something. Oh, I, I don't know. Yeah, it, I've blocked it out of my memories. Uh, yeah, all the readers. No, the extent um, of my exposure to like uh, Express anymore is like you know I'm using Google Cloud functions and like oh I have an instance of Express I can do things with, but that's kind of like I'm never. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, I haven't I haven't gone in and been yeah. spinning up new like Express services in a long time. Yeah. So um, if you're looking for an alternative, I would definitely look at Fastify. Um, particularly works better with TypeScript. I remember that being a pain point. Uh, Strapi, uh, headless CMS, that's also becoming super popular. Uh, and as we said before, James Dax. Um, mm -hmm. was the big movers, I guess. Yeah. Oh, and Gatsby, which... Uh, you want to talk a little bit about Gatsby? Uh, I'm not too familiar. Yeah. Well, Gatsby's interesting. Because um, like, I, I, I'm kind of almost hesitant to put like Next and, and Gatsby into this like kind of discussion around server frameworks other than they are doing things on the server. But I feel like you know they're not really in the same category as like Express and Fastify and stuff. Um, but we were like what like we were saying, um, there is a lot of movement. So yeah, I feel like the big thing with kind of Next versus Gatsby and you were trying to choose one before was that we had like, you know, Next that was, you know, like doing proper like SSR so you could render things on the server dynamically at request time and then serve them. Um, in a, in a faster manner, so there's less JavaScript happening on the client. Uh, and then that was for the LogRocket website, right? Yeah. So, Ga well, uh, the the we, we did a LogRocket website rewrite. If you haven't checked it out, go check out yes. the new, new website. It's great. Uh, but anyway, so we it was like you know an old handlebars. There was a bunch of stuff going on Oof. there. Um, and anyway, yeah, we ported it to Gatsby. It's been going pretty well. Um, but kind of in that in the dichotomy between the two, Gatsby was always like doing you know like static site, gen like static page generation, um, where Next was doing like server-side rendering. Um, and in the in the last year, they kind of come together a little bit more. So like now with Next, you can do like static site generation or static page generation or whatever you want to call it. You can generate all your pages ahead of time and have like static code ready to be loaded that will then rehydrate and, you know, get, get all the reactivity and stuff after it's loaded, but you still get that super crazy fast initial page load, page load and that's what Gatsby did before. Um, and the opposite's kind of also true. So a lot of the new features in Gatsby and V4, I think, um, they kind of added, um, like, you know, proper server-side rendering to Gatsby. Um, we haven't done anything in V4, so I haven't played with this stuff too much, but I feel like they're kind of they're kind of getting in the same, getting into the same space a little bit more now. Um, so I feel like the distinction now, if, if you're trying to choose between one, is Gatsby is more opinionated. Um, you know, it's like there's a lot of there's a there's a plugin ecosystem that kind of has a way that it wants you to interact with your data sources. Um, and then kind of build your pages. Whereas Next is kind of roll your own a little bit more. There's a lot of plugins and stuff there as well. Um, but Gatsby is kind of like end-to-end -end solution. This is how this is how you should be pulling it, especially with the Gatsby Cloud rollout. It's like you can push up to Gatsby Cloud and we'll give you incremental builds and the new like deferred um, page generation um, and all that stuff just kind of kind of out of the box, kind of like pointed at your data source, your your files or your WordPress site or whatever it is, and you'll get all the Gat cool Gatsby stuff out of the box. It's kind of always been their wow. um, MO. I think the last yeah. time I used it was V1, and they had like nothing nothing that you just mentioned. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really nice. Like, again, the, working on it for the website rewrite and uh, some new experimentation stuff we're doing with the blog right now. Uh, the Long Rocket blog has been pretty cool. Um, 
and it, it was kind of an odd choice because like I said, next is a little more, I don't know if powerful is the right word, but it's, it's more of like kind of roll your own. And that's how it's always, always been. Um, but yeah, Gatsby's, it's worked pretty well for us. It's one of those things where like you get a lot more, but when something goes wrong with Gatsby, it takes a little more fiddling. You got to like get in and figure out what's going on versus with next. If you're building it yourself, like I know what is happening everywhere. So I, you know, I can go in and fix bugs. It's kind of which of those approaches do you want to take? Um, <laughs> Pick your poison. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, there's a lot going on for sure. Um, I don't, I don't know what the trends have been. Uh, I looked at them a little bit. I feel like some of the like the pack, the package, Poll numbers may have gone down a little bit for Gatsby, but who knows? Maybe that's just like pipeline changes. Um, and yeah, there's a lot going on with those two in particular. Cool. Yeah. Um, also, like continue the trend on like Go and Rust. Uh, there's lots of new popular server side uh, server frameworks and static site generators I've seen uh, in Rust and Go. So maybe. Maybe in the next year we might see one of those break out and you might go to competitor. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, moving on. Uh, can't not talk about TypeScript. Um, <laughs> there were four big releases this year. Every every time I, I read the whole thing and I'm like, I have no idea what this does, but it looks cool. Uh, like they're going so far into the weeds and like advanced type systems that like, okay, cool, yeah. Um, but uh, I do definitely care about the faster part. Uh, LogRocket, we finally adopted TypeScript. Uh, <laughs> we have a huge code base. It took us a long time. Um, but we, uh, we finally got that working. And I'm, I'm excited for faster incremental, incremental builds. Uh, and uh, like I mentioned, they're, uh, they're doing a really good job of like closely aligning with the JavaScript spec. They adopted the private methods and accessors and all that, uh, despite the fact that they have their own private keyword, the fact that both work together, that's nice. Um, nice. Uh, if you look at the popularity, it's like going like straight up uh, mm -hmm. still, amazingly. Um, I'm wondering, like, I don't know, it, it's the de facto standard almost now, it seems, or is that just my... Yeah, I don't know, I was going to ask, I feel like most of the frameworks and stuff I'm using, or, you know, like CLIs that are doing site mm -hmm. generation stuff for me, that's usually not the default for a lot of those, um, which is kind of surprising to me, kind of on that note. Like, I, I, would, I agree that it seems like you you almost expect it when you get into any kind of front-end code base with a, a lot of active development happening on it currently. Um, and maybe it's just tooling needs to catch up a little bit still. It's but, to the point when, like, if I'm using a library and they don't have types, I'm, like, surprised. Yeah. Like, what are sure. you doing? <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, you get, you get used to the editor, like, giving you all these nice yeah. autocompletes and telling you things, warning you. We're just spoiled, I think. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's good, though. You're spoiled, but you're also safer, right? Like, yes. It's, it's a <laughs> lovely, little, lovely little place to be. Um, but yeah, I, we've been, been stumbling across it as well. Again, like, back to the Gatsby stuff, we were able to do super cool stuff kind of end to end on the, on the, through the chain there. So it's like, we get the results of our GraphQL queries and those automatically will generate types for us that we can then like pipe through the app and you get all, you get all that neat stuff. Um, yeah, that's great. always brilliant. Mm -hmm. and, and, uh, yeah. Uh, speaking about TypeScript, uh, Deno, which uses TypeScript, um, similar to Svelte, it's, it's making a lot of uh, waves in the, in the front or the, the web development press, but the adoption is like still pretty small. Uh, 
like in a survey I was looking at the stock overflow 2021 survey, uh, less than 2%, less than 2% have used Deno, despite like all the posts and like the posts on the LockRocket blog and Deno do well and all that. Um, uh, I was surprised to learn they joined TT39. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah, that's, hmm. um, I was reading their uh, technical blogs and how, how they're running up against the TypeScript parser being slow, uh, and they want to look at alternatives like Rust and stuff. Um, so I'm wondering where that might go, uh, what they're going to be doing and pushing for in TC39. Um, yeah, interesting. I, I don't know if it's actually going to break out and like become super popular, like everyone thought that it might. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's going to become the next node, but it might be like felt where everyone just adopts some of the ideas. Yeah. I feel like it's it's one of those I I've you know looked it up and pulled it up and done some reading like several times, but I've never used it. <laughs> I'm always like I've never it's never something I reach for. Uh, so again, yeah, I'm probably guilty of contributing to the stat again. I'm just like it seems cool in there, but I've never I've never like I have this acute need. I need something to solve this problem. But yeah, have I you, think like, have you been spinning it up for anything? Uh, briefly to like see how it works. I I, re- I really don't like the URL importing from a URL. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think they're trying to shoehorn in like a browser-like environment. I don't really like that idea. Uh, there, there's lots of kind of oddities that make more sense when you read the docs. Their docs are downright amazing. Um, it must be said. Um, but the community isn't there yet. And like with a node, like you know, you have Next.js, you have ten mm-hmm. years of libraries. Like I, to give that up is yeah. like asking a lot. So. Uh, we'll, find, we'll see if they uh, overcome that hurdle, but they have great ideas. Yeah. No, yeah, it's very, again, it's kind of maybe at odds a little bit with some of the other tooling that we've been discussing and are probably about to discuss a little bit more, but like these kind of moving away from JavaScript but still letting you use that tooling is maybe kind of solving that same problem a little bit that Deno is yeah. looking to solve, maybe, um, or at least we'll, we'll fill the need that, you know, people have yeah. that has led to the creation of Deno. So. Uh, Deno does use Rust, but they, they still use TypeScript as well. So that seems to be yeah. the issue. Um, yeah. Yeah, it'll be cool to see. I'll keep watching it, you know, keep reading the blog yeah. post. And maybe someday I'll be like, you know, I should try Deno. I, I think they were considering, like, re-implementing the TypeScript parser in Rust or something. Mm-hmm. Remember, remember correctly, that sounds daunting. Yeah. <laughs> good, good luck. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Anyway, uh, segue uh, on to Bundler is another tooling. Uh, uh, I think it was last year. No, this year we were talking about Rome from the creator of Babel, um, mm. uh, which was another good example of like back to centralization of tooling. You want to have one tool that does everything. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I don't know if that's going to work. Uh, it seems like a lot of work to re-implement. Yeah. But, but like uh, at the same time, Webpack and Babel haven't really made tons of waves uh, this year. I think Webpack five was released. Uh, that's about it. Um, but like, it seems like all the focus has turned away to like all-in-one solutions like Next.js. Yeah. yeah. People aren't following Babel and Webpack as much as they used to. And plus, there's like Parcel and uh, and. Uh, most importantly, like I mentioned earlier, the non-JavaScript solutions that are breaking out, like ESBuild, um, 
it's maybe the best prediction would be that uh, these don't become things that everyone uses, but like people use things that also use this, like Byte, mm -hmm. which uses mm -hmm. ESBuild. ESBuild is written in Go. Mm -hmm. uh, and the rest, the rest version, I guess you could say, is SWZ. Uh, pretty cool. Yeah. Um, well, I feel like, uh, yeah, like going back to V, like having having tools, having uh, like the CLI, CLIs that default to not using Webpack may be the thing that drives adoption. We'll see, right? Like if I just pull down, like if I make an app and that, that's it's an option to use something else as like a bundler or something else to do my build step and I don't even like think about it. I'm like, oh, that's the default. I'll use it. I, like, I'm not worried about that right now. I'm just thinking about the functionality of this web app I want to build. And then people are comfortable writing config for that instead of writing the Webpack config that they're used to. Like, maybe that'll be what it does it. Um, it's not as bad as it used to be. Webpack, mm -hmm. like, uh, I think Webpack five, it's gotten better. Uh, but I think nine, nine times out of ten, you are going to write a Webpack config, no matter what the docs claim. Is that's what's going going to happen? Uh, but like, you use Parcel. Parcel seems to do a better job about it. It's a shame that. I don't know. I had lots of trouble with Parcel getting uh, source maps working. I remember, but also they've had a lot of versions since then, so maybe they've improved. Um, but at this point, I'm like wondering why even why even try to write <laughs> a bundler in Node. Uh, yeah, right, right. Yeah. What's the point? Um, yeah, like I understand the original, like you know, oh, we'll use the thing yeah. that is the thing that we're working on. Like it seems, it seems like that does make sense, but then. Mm -hmm. Um, performance, performance is, well, especially this where it's like, um, you know, just it's, it, it's an intensive environment. We have a lot of code that needs to be, you know, kind of reinspected or figured out or rebuilt and like, yeah. um, you know, the dev experience, it, it, it taking a second instead of 200 milliseconds, like is a big deal. <laughs> like it's, it's yeah. obnoxious. So even less, yeah. <laughs> like right, right. Like an order of magnitudes faster. Yeah, you can't do that. Um, another uh, pain point uh, that I have seen uh, CSS styling uh, is one of those things that if you don't pay attention to, will you know blow up your bundle size and slow down your development server. M maybe having things in order of magnitude faster might uh, improve things, but also like um, a couple of years ago, CSS and JS started to become uh, quite popular and making lots of press. Uh, and one thing I've seen over the last year, the zero runtime CSS and JS frameworks, um, a couple of them, Linaria, Vanilla Extract, Stitches, um, they seem really cool. Uh, I guess you could call them like the second generation, uh, first being emotion and styled components. Um, yeah. Can you explain? I feel like a lot of listeners may yeah. not know why that's so, like helpful. <laughs> yeah. So... Um, we use styled components for multiple reasons, but um, basically the, the zero runtime means that basically you're, uh, there are there is no runtime cost to having a, a styled component. Uh, everything is extracted into CSS files in your build step, as opposed to like styled components where it's it's an actual component. Things are you know happening in runtime. They use this the style sheet API to dynamically generate a style 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 sheet at runtime. Um, but like with style components, you can use the Babel plugin, and it's. I guess there's some pros and cons to uh, the new generation and what the Babel component for uh, the Babel plugin for 
solid components uses, but it does seem to be faster. So uh, definitely an area I would look out for in the future. I think solid components is kind of showing its age, but I'm glad that people are thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those areas too that I like. I'm not as familiar with probably as I should be and that. Like I just kind of go reach for the thing I know when, when I'm building yeah. something. So I, th I think we want yeah. the style components simply because it was the most popular. Mm -hmm. Um, and I wanted to use styled system and like yeah. render style props and all that stuff. Right, right. Um, uh, another thing that everyone's talking about is Tailwind, um, utility first CSS frameworks seem to be popular. Uh, everyone complains about how slow it makes their dev build and the gigantic bundle size. Um, yeah, I haven't used it, but um, I, I listened to all these complaints. So. <laughs> yeah, I'm in, a, I'm in a similar boat. Yeah. Um, in the browser space, uh, not much to uh, talk about here, except maybe the, I guess, the number one news item in the browser space last year, uh, at least important to web developers, the manifest V3 standard uh, Chrome's backdoor way of killing uh, uBlock origin and uh, ad blockers. Um, basically, they want to make uh, well, a new way to write, uh, well, it's in the name of security, uh, supposedly, um, for, uh, browser extensions, uh, which mm -hmm. now with edge, uh, the fact that we have a, a unified extension platform for browsers, that that's pretty great. But now it also means that basically Chrome writes the rules. Uh, that's not good. So. Uh, I, I wonder where, where that will go in the next year when that is finally released, whether or not the pushback is strong enough. Uh, I think among developers, at least Firefox remains very popular, and maybe we might see that become even more popular uh, because of this, uh, despite all my complaints for Firefox. Uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's just enough for me to switch. Is there, like, I, I haven't done much reading on this. Is there, like, is the current proposal, does it really just totally make, you know, things like ad script blockers, like totally ineffective? Well, uh, it's like they're removing the way for ad block for extensions to intercept network requests. Mm. They're replacing it with something else. But uh, if I remember correctly, uh, basically the lists would have to be updated in like an update into the uh, the extension and not like dynamically, it basically makes it very difficult mm. uh, for uBlock Origin to be, or, or ad blockers in general to be effective. I uh, see. So you're saying like, they couldn't pull the list dynamically, like, you know, right? Yeah, I forget, I forget they... exactly the, the reason, but everyone's up in arms about it. Uh, gotcha. It's unfortunate. Um, and they're doing it in the name of security, and like, eh, well, it's hard to argue with that, but still. Yeah. Um, uh, I've also seen the hate for Safari grow a lot over the last year. Um, yeah. Yeah, Safari uh, is a new IE meme, right? So, I think the new version yeah. was released and people were mm -hmm. disappointed. Um, I, I know with LogRocket, we, we have tons of <laughs> a backlog of Safari issues with the render. Like, oh, this is not working at all. And it's usually yeah. not our fault. <laughs> <laughs> really, trust us. Um, yeah. That's unfortunate. Uh, it's the new IE. That's what the Reddit comment section says. 
right? right exactly yeah i feel like beyond beyond what we encounter with our stuff i haven't i haven't felt that too much but again like i'm i'm not my ear isn't that close to the ground so maybe there is a lot that grows i guess i have noted when i go and look at like you know the browser compatibility lists and stuff safari is often the red box i'm like oh okay that's okay yeah i think part of the reason is that every other browser has a rapid release schedule but safari is updated with the os mm -hmm. so it's still coupled to that so even if they could improve development and there's no incentive for apple to improve development of web stuff uh that's not a hot take, I don't think. Uh, <laughs> even if they could, they wouldn't be able to. I don't know. Um, yeah, is that true? Is that true even for mobile, or is is this? Are you like? Are we strictly talking about kind of? You know, it's the same desktop. I think it's the same development cycle. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, it also seems like uh, European Union might be forcing them to enable uh, non-Safari rendering engines in mobile. Mm -hmm. I was reading, so maybe. Maybe that breaks their monopoly on mobile, and we can stop worrying about this as much. <laughs> yeah, here's hoping. <laughs> yeah, here's hoping. <laughs> yeah. Also, um, this wouldn't be a 2021 review episode without begrudgingly talking about Web 3.0. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> what, mm -hmm. what can I say? Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like there's a lot people could go read, and you know, there's a lot yeah. of opinions and stuff out there. Um, should we drop our hot takes? Yeah, yeah. I guess, yeah, give, give me your give me your feelings on if Web 3.0 even means anything meaningful. What an abject disaster. OK. In what in, in terminology or in functionality or thing. everything? Oh, like, even if they were sincere, and they're definitely not the proponents, I mean. Uh, so you have the theorists, uh, Berners-Lee, uh, a bunch of people who I do respect, saying, oh, we should be you know, decentralized. I totally agree with that. Um, tech companies suck. Totally agree with that. Um, but like, and then it's being adopted by tech companies and it's being adopted by people whose financial interest is like diametrically opposed to the vision. And then you get, then the NFTs, and this is even before NFTs blew up. And then NFTs blew up and then uh, it just poisoned the idea of basically any revolution in the web in the public's perception, I think. Which is not good. Yeah, I think I completely agree that like the the biggest issue is now a perception problem in that people are associating, you know, like the drive for federated services and breaking up silos and stuff like as intrinsically tied to this, you know, NFTs and stuff, which is kind of another topic. Um, but yeah, like, I, I feel like I I am on board, like like you said, with the the like theorists, the advocates that are saying we need something to solve this kind of social problem right and like that makes sense um so i feel like i feel like through that lens it's like cool like we should have federated services like email works great mastodon is cool like we can have federated chat it's fine um and i feel like that is kind of what what we were going towards originally and then like ethereum and stuff kind of all built on was there the nft hype kind of got drummed up around it and it became that in an interesting way which is kind of a bummer. And I feel like that's what I lament more than anything, probably. Um, but it sounds like we're, we're kind of on the same page. So do you think do you think that that will ever be overcomable and like some of this NFT craze will die down and we'll kind of get back into the mode of like, oh, let's, you know, develop federated stuff? Like, 
WebRTC is cool. We should do peer-to-peer. Or do you think we're kind of, we need a new term and we just need to kill Web3? Yeah, we need a new term. <laughs> yeah. It's already been poisoned. It hasn't even started. It's already been poisoned. I, I don't know. It, these people are weird. They're, they're run, running to the, the very same financial interests that they're trying to get away from. Mm-hmm. And like uh, Twitter, former CEO, uh, Jack Dorsey Jack is like Dorsey. all, is all a, a big fan of this. And I'm like, coming from you, I don't know why you would like, uh, why, why, I don't know why they would be for it. Uh, like, uh, what was it? Uh, the Patreon wanted to make a web mm-hmm. 3.0 blockchain version of Patreon. And like, wouldn't that completely invalidate the need for Patreon? You don't, have to, you don't need to give them a cut if it's a if it's a, a standard. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Why do yeah. people think that this is going to work? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, again, there, there's a lot of people with all kinds of motives and everything in this space. Um, yeah, again, like I feel like it's tricky to analyze the motivation of you know, like Jack Dorsey and stuff at this point. Like, who knows? There's moral concerns and you know, like all, all kinds of stuff. We don't we don't have the context on there, but um, yeah, I, I do feel like those like oh, we're a big company, we're going to remake our product in a federated way does just seem very like, but but why though? Um, yeah. So I, I think they're trying to ride that hype train more than anything. Kind of you know, I'm, I'm with the with the consensus here. Um, but I think there is still stuff going on kind of that does matter in the space. And I feel like we should try not to, you know, it's like, oh, it's part of this federated services thing. So it's just, you know, hype and it doesn't matter. I, I wish we could um, completely divorce it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for sure. Like I'm, I'm really a big fan of blockchain because I'd like the technology. Cause like, I can't see you having a decentralized service really without blockchain mm-hmm. from a technical standpoint. I'm not a big fan of Bitcoin though. Uh, mainly because of the scammers and the association, <laughs> but like sure. from a technical level. And I hope, I wish that we focus more on the technical and not the, the crazy <laughs> part. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, hopefully, hopefully it sticks. We'll see. I, th- I feel like this is a, it's a hard thing to make predictions on just cause like it's so there's so much happening there. Um, yeah. The common refrain that we're missing the killer app, like Mastodon is a thing mm-hmm. never really caught on. Yeah. Um, I feel well, with with social media in particular, it's hard because the network effect is more, you know, important there than anywhere yeah. else. So it's it's hard. It's like, well, even a non-federated killer app, like what's, what, what how would you even shift someone at this point? If I had um, the answer, I would probably be a millionaire. So. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So we'll, we'll see. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, I feel like there is an increasing amount, I feel like, of kind of disdain for the existing players. Maybe that'll keep pushing people a little more. But again, who, who really knows? At this point, um, I wouldn't be cons- I wouldn't be surprised if it was just flat out outlawed. <laughs> yeah. After you. Right. 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 Yeah. Especially here for the for the financial financial concerns. Um, but again, yeah. hopefully it doesn't pull down all the all the rest of the cool stuff that's happening in this space. Yeah. Uh, so to pull back and make our grand predictions uh, for the next year, uh, Web three What do we resolve there? Uh, um, hmm. I predict that we'll see an increase in in I guess I, I feel there'll probably be a down tick in kind of the fervor around the NFT stuff. Um, I don't see kind of blockchain at large being totally discounted. I feel like we'll still see cool stuff on Ethereum and stuff happening. Um, yeah. And hopefully more federated services will kind of slowly continue to grow a little bit. But I don't, I don't, I don't think we'll have like a big explosion of apps in that space. That's my, that's my take. 
it's a, a safe prediction. Yeah, I like it. Um, yeah, I guess I echo what you said. Um, I would also look at uh, IPFS, uh, uh, interplanetary uh, file system. Everything around that, uh, the peer-to-peer -peer web, I hope gets more popular in the next couple of years. Because if, if anything re recovers Web3, it, it will be that, that area, I think. Um, uh, besides that, we also mentioned uh, uh, the incredible explosion in uh, non-JavaScript front-end frameworks. Uh, I think uh, that will continue. Uh, just people exploring it more, and uh, maybe what it'll happen like with ESBuild, where people don't use ESBuild directly, but they use something else on top of it. I think uh, the next JS effect, to coin a term. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I totally agree. I don't. I don't see that hype going anywhere anytime soon for a number of reasons. But like the performance on the development side, and also then performance mm -hmm. on like the delivery side, I feel like there's there's uh, gains to be had on both that I, that are desirable enough that that will keep happening for sure. Yeah, and uh, I'm I'm always looking at the, the popularity of Rust. I, I learned Rust in this year, well, beginner level Rust, I guess. Um, <laughs> but I'm always surprised though how how uh, popular Go is increasing in popularity because um, mm -hmm. I've, I've never really considered it for for web stuff but i guess maybe i should um so maybe you might maybe that uh trend will continue yeah totally um and moving away from node just in general it seems uh moving away from like the stalwarts of the last five years i would say like react yeah. redux node mm -hmm. nothing is safe anymore <laughs> yeah yeah i feel like people are kind of you know, checking out what what, what they want to what they want to spend their time working on um, more so a little bit than maybe a year ago. Uh, yeah, and Svelte, like of all the frameworks that I looked up on GitHub Star Growth and NPM, Svelte was like, yeah, to the moon. Nice. Uh, so safe safe prediction that will continue. <laughs> yeah, I think I think the only other big one is probably like browser stuff um, right. that we we haven't chatted about and. Yeah, that's a tough one. Uh, I everyone will adopt Firefox now, <laughs> right? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm skeptical. I, I kind of hope this downward trend that we've been seeing with Firefox doesn't continue happening. We'll see if they make shifts right. that kind of re-enable the power users that everyone thinks that they've pushed away. Um, that's sad. Yeah, yeah, but you know, we'll see. I feel I feel like it will kind of be driven by our our people getting frustrated with the changes that Chrome is making, and is there enough fear of having one player control? You know. 98% of the web space. I don't know if killing ad blocker is enough for that because with IE, remember, people switched off from IE. They didn't even, they didn't even have tabs, I don't think, when, Fire, right. when Chrome gained popularity. Like, they were so far behind. So I think, like, something has to happen to piss off, you know, the everyday user, non-developer user. Oh, yeah, totally. I guess I'm, I'm, I'm thinking more just, like, pulling the dev space back. Because I feel like that was a lot of Firefox's market share that has since departed um, gone sure. to other browsers. So I feel like maybe those kinds of things may push a little bit back, a little bit of the dev audience back, but we'll see. Yeah, yeah. No, I totally agree. For, for popular, like a real a real migration um, yeah. to the standard user, I, I feel like there has to be some pretty big faux pas on Chrome's part. But we'll yeah, see. or maybe... All the developers switch to Firefox, and then all of our websites just start breaking in, fire, in, uh, in Chrome. Chrome yeah, so right. everyone switches to Firefox. I like that idea. Yeah, okay. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Make our own predictions come true. Um, yeah. 
Cool. Uh, that's about it. Uh, yeah. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, thanks for our listeners. Thanks to you guys. And um, yeah, we'll see you around. Thanks for listening to Pod Rocket. Find us at Pod Rocket Pod on Twitter, or you could always email me, even though that's not a popular option. It's Brian at Log Rocket. <laughs>